Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. I think we would all say that we want our kids to have an extended season of serious evaluation, of answering for themselves. Will they, as an individual young man, an individual young woman, is it the desire of their heart, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to live for God and be a Christian? They can't ride on our coattails forever into adulthood. There's just no question about that. Pastor and author Rob Reno with some great insight about a a topic that is becoming more prevalent in the world of parenting, and that is what happens when your kids get to be to the point where they're old enough to make their own decisions, they're young adults, and some of the decisions they make don't really line up with the faith that they lived when they were younger. How do you draw your adult child back to Christ. It's a reality in many homes, and today here on the Homeward Broadcast, parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns will be talking to Rob Reno about this very, very important issue. From the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University, graduating difference makers since 1899, welcome to Homeward with parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Roger Marsh, and now let's get into it. Part one of today's conversation, Drawing Your Adult Child Back to Christ. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. Very happy today to have Rob Reno with us. We're talking about drawing your adult child back to Christ. He's written a wonderful book called When They Turn Away, Drawing Your Adult Child Back to Christ. And by the way, I have three adult children, and I'm reading it and listening. I love this message. Uh, Rob is the uh, head of Visionary Family Ministries. It's a ministry that helps families churches, parents, both with parenting and marriage. He served for 15 years on the pastoral staff of a wonderful church in Chicago, Illinois area called Wheaton Bible Church, a popular conference speaker, author of Visionary Parenting, Visionary Marriage, and God's Grand Vision for the Home. And Rob and his wife, Amy, are proud and visionary parents of six awesome kids. Rob, welcome to our broadcast. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to it. Well, I've been looking forward to having you. Uh, we're talking today about a tough subject in, in some ways. We're talking about drawing your adult children back to Christ with kind of a circle around the word back to Christ. I had a chance about a year ago to speak at a at a conference, and uh, the conference leader, and I've done this for uh, years and years, this particular conference is in Hawaii, 4,500 people, said, hey, would you speak on parenting your adult children? I started laughing hilariously saying, you know what, I'm, I'm in that process right now. Two adult children still at home. You know, we haven't got them married off. I'm not sure I'm your guy. And he said, no, you do it. So I did, and I actually brought my daughter along, and I gave a workshop at this conference, and Rob, basically, I finished the workshop and said to my wife, Kathy, one word, or I don't know if it's one word or two words, because I'm not an English major, but heartbroken. These people were heartbroken. Yes. Do you find this wherever you go? Absolutely. You know, the, the statistics right now are that two-thirds of the empty nest parents in our churches have at least one child who's either not walking with the Lord or, or, or who's never been saved and is far from God. And it's probably, for many of them, the most painful thing in, in their life. And for so many, there's so much shame that comes with it, because they look around their church, and they see that every other family in their church is perfect with perfect kids, which, of course, is true. You know, they're the only ones with problems. Um, of course not. But, but the enemy just um, swoops in with this, with so many lies of, you blew it, 
you're a terrible parent, you can't go back and do it again, your kid doesn't love Jesus, isn't in church anymore, you know, and uh, all you can do now is pray. And I'm not down on prayer, um, but that is a lie of the enemy to get empty nest parents to kind of give up on the mission of impressing their, the hearts of their kids with a love for God. Well, that is so true, and I feel like this happens to me. I hear these words most weeks when we're out doing ministry with parents. It's, it's the cry of a parent. So many of these parents are watching their kids move on to college or into the workforce. They're graduating from high school, and at that point, they kind of graduate from God. The parents are heartbroken. What do you say to these parents? Well, I don't think there's a real simple answer to it, but I think that there's a couple of things that, that we can point to. One was there was a really major shift in the 20th century regarding the spiritual parenting of kids and teenagers, and that shift really was away from the family as the primary place where children were trained spiritually and taught the Bible and taught to pray, and we really shifted that into church buildings. And so my mom became a Christian when I was three months old. She was the first Christian in our family. And the, the pastors, again, she knew nothing of church, knew nothing of Christianity, but the pastors encouraged her to say, hey, your number one job as a mom is to make sure little Robbie is in Sunday school, make sure little Robbie is in youth group. And Sunday school and youth group can be a great vitamin boost uh, for kids, but I'm, I'm thankful my mom really didn't listen to their advice because she decided that she needed to pray with me herself at home. She needed to read the Bible herself with me at home. And, and try to be that primary spiritual trainer. So one big shift is this whole delegation parenting model. Uh, the other one, and this one's uh, more controversial, but here we go, um, we increasingly removed children from the corporate worship service of our churches. And so we get kids, we've got a couple generations now, they grow up in children's ministry, they love it, they grow up in youth ministry, they love it, they grow up in, in high school ministry, they love it, then they graduate high school and they say, well, where do I go now? And we say, you go to church now, you know, and you get involved in the whole faith family. And so many of these young people, and I've had this conversation, I mean, I'd say literally thousands of times with teenagers and late teenagers, they say, oh, you know, I, I just don't feel like that church service is, is for me. You know, do you have a college group that I can go to? Do you have an emergent group that I can go to so I can be with people just like me the rest of my life? And they don't say it like that, but that's really what's behind it. And so, uh, you know, again, we've got Sunday school, youth group, VBS, summer camps, mission trips, all these things. All those things are, are spiritual vitamins for children, whereas worship in the home and worship in the church service, these are the spiritual meals that God's created for all believers. And so we had a couple generations, they really grew up with nothing but vitamins, and as a result, they were very, very spiritually malnourished. You know, th this is the kind of thing that I speak on. I'm looking at Roger right now saying, that is as, as well said and as well spoken as I have ever heard. Now, I want to push on something because I want to figure out your mom here. You know, your mom was not taught this. She just prayed with you. But we find that when, you know, there was so much better chance that if there are faith conversations in the home, and if there's some even just simple prayer, I'm not talking about by any means toxic prayer or preaching or whatever, right. but, but it becomes natural that kids will stay. How did your mom figure that out? She wasn't hearing it from church at that season, probably. Boy, I'm not, I'm not so sure, but she, was, she had such a radical conversion. Um, you know, my, I was three months old. My mom was in her second failing marriage, and she was contemplating putting me and my older brother in a car and driving the three of us off a cliff together. Um, you know, and I, I, you see those stories on the sure, news. It sure, happens, sure. you know, and every time I see it, my heart just breaks. I mean, that was going to be my family. We were that close. 
And a friend in the middle of that depression shared the gospel with her, and she repented, and she trusted Christ. And God did this miracle in, in her heart. And so that was just going to overflow from her. There was not going to be any uh, nominal, uh, we're just going to attend church and pray before meals type of Christianity from, uh, from my mom. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Sometimes those who have been... Well, I was, I'm a first generation, my wife's a first generation Christian, and so you know we had much more passion. And what we see a lot of times with folks like your parents or actually Kathy and myself, that we tend to be a little bit more serious about this than sometimes people who've been raised in the church, because maybe they had a bad experience with quote-unquote family devotions or things like that. There's another issue that you bring up in your book, which, by the way, Roger's going to talk about in just a moment. It's called When They Turn Away, Drawing Your Adult Child Back to Christ. We're talking with Rob Reno today. Um, Is pluralism. You talk about pluralism, and I thought you really did a good job of helping a lot of parents understand really what our kids are facing, even culturally. So jump into that. Yeah. Well, it's no secret. Everybody understands that the the world in which we live, that kids are bombarded with all sorts of different faith systems or worldview systems. Here's the, you know, this is the truth. No, this is the truth. No, this is the truth. And they've got the Internet. They've got all the world religions right in front of them. And so that's that's understandable. But coupled with this philosophy of, of pluralism, is this word that, uh, again, I think probably people have heard, but maybe they're not sure what it means, is the word relativism. And, and relativism is not just that there's a lot of options of the ways to think and ways to believe, but they're all equally valid, and they're all equally true and legitimate, and whatever works for you. So you talk to 20-somethings today, and so many of them, if you try to share, well, I believe this is true about God, or I believe this is true about Jesus or the Bible, you know, the standard response is, well, that may be true for you, but it isn't true for me. Right. And unfortunately, uh, even from some of our pulpits and even from some of the ways our parents think, um, you know, relativism is an arch enemy of the gospel, an arch enemy of Christianity, because it argues that there is no absolute truth. And so, again, children that have not, um, I guess, been challenged to think through those things end up being very, very vulnerable uh, as they go into adulthood. That's great input. And and actually, as parents, we've got to learn to combat pluralism. And uh, and it's not it's not easy because every kid, even wonderful Christian kids, uh, have you know kind of a different opinion today because of what's being bombarded in their life. Yeah, yep. yeah. And you even get this uh, when it comes to dealing with with uh, atheistic evolution and how churches are dealing with that. You know, it's so interesting to me that they'll the Bible teaches that God created the world supernaturally, that the, he created dogs to be dogs and cats to be cats and people to be people. It's very clear in Genesis chapter 1. Um, but then people will say, well, well, science says this and science says that. And we say, oh, my goodness, well, obviously the Bible's wrong. Well, what do we do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ? I mean, what would science say about the resurrection? Science would say that doesn't happen. People don't get resurrected from the dead. And how do Christians respond to that? We say, well, God did it. This is a miracle of God, and God is supernatural, and God reigns, and if God says that's what happened, that's what happened. So we do that with the resurrection, but we don't do that with other stuff. And, and really what happened is, again, a couple of generations of kids growing up who really didn't believe that the Bible was true in every area of faith and life. And once you get unhooked there, uh, you are vulnerable to every other, all the isms of the world that are out there. Boy, great input. Listen, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Rob Reno with us. Talk about drawing your adult 
child back to Christ. So many parents that I talk with and so many parents that folks like Rob would talk with, as well as uh, so many of our parenting seminars, Roger, they are hearing this over and over and over again. We raised our kids in the church. They were active in youth group. They were involved. And today they're not living for Christ. And in fact, their morals and values are you know, going against you know, a biblical way. So uh, a lot more to come here on Homework. Roger. Well, the conversation that we're having today on drawing your adult child back to Christ stems from principles that are in uh, the book by Rob Reno called When They Turn Away. And this is a topic that, uh, as we've mentioned here in the first uh, opening moments of the Homeward broadcast, it's becoming more prevalent in, uh, in Christian homes as we see uh, kids hitting high school age, moving into the college and young adult years, wandering away from their faith, and not just taking that what we used to call graduation vacation, where they take a year or so and kind of not go to church on a regular basis, but then figure it out once they grew up. Uh, Now they're just walking away and saying, give me a reason to come back. And so we have to work harder as parents, not only to draw them back if they wander away, but to be intentional about what uh, we are sharing with them about our faith when they're growing up. And uh, that's why Jim's book, Faith Conversations for Families, is so important. If you want more information on how you can order a copy of Jim, book, Faith Conversations for Families. Go to Homeward.com, follow the prompts. Remember, whatever you give above and beyond the purchase price is a tax-deductible donation in support of our ministry today. I'm Jim Burns with today's Homeward Snapshot. So we're all set for Saturday morning? Oh, yeah. Mom, do we have to? No, girls. It'll be fun. Well, our church has been serving at this soup kitchen for 40 years. It's a great outreach. You'll see. Yeah. Families that find creative ways to serve together often have a much richer spiritual connection. So don't let your family miss out on this incredible experience. Serve at a rescue mission or at a homeless shelter. Sponsor a child in another country. And if you're short on ideas, you can check with your pastor. There's never a shortage of things that can be done together to help others. That little boy was so sweet. Oh, I know. And his mother looked so young, like she was my age. Uh, So girls, what did you think? Dad, that was so cool. I actually had a good time after all. Told ya. It's important for children to understand the value of the body of Christ, and they're never too young to begin. By the way, I'd love for you to have a free copy of my tip sheet called Getting Your Kids Involved, Community Service Made Fun. You can download a copy direct from our website at homeward.com. Welcome back. I'm Jim Burns. Rob Reno with us today. Incredible conversation, actually. Drawing your adult children back to Christ. So many kids today are being raised in the church, and then they're walking from their faith. And we're seeing them not just walk from their faith, but walking from you know different morals and values that really would have a biblical worldview. And there's just few out there who are, who are doing that today. Rob Reno is doing a great job. He's the uh, head of Visionary Family Ministries. It's a ministry created to inspire parents and churches to pass faith to the next generation. Roger uh, is going to tell you their website, visionaryfam.com, at the end of this broadcast. Uh, I just have to ask you again, I'm so amazed, as I was saying to you at the break, Rob, that that you know what you say is what we're thinking about at Homeward. There's so many people who are on this uh, same page in, in many ways. And in your book, you said less than one in 20 Christian families have a regular time of worship together at home involving Bible reading and, and prayer together as a family. And I know a lot of people who want to do that, but they just are either too busy, they're too distracted, they don't know what to do. And you call that a part of kind of a perfect storm that was taking place where uh, one of the issues was a loss of family worship. 
how do you turn family worship with kids? You've got six of them. How do you how do you turn family worship into something that can be creative and and somewhat fun, but can be a learning experience? Um, when parents say, "I don't know Greek and Hebrew, and I'm not the Bible scholar." Right. Well, Jim, this whole journey for me um, really started very very personally. Long story short, I had been a youth pastor for ten years. And Amy and I had been married about the same amount of time. We had three or four children at the time. I really don't remember. It all kind of blurs together back then. But long story short, my heart and my passion was in passing my faith to other people's children. I mean, I woke up in the morning and I went to bed at night thinking about how am I going to disciple the youth at my church, the children at my church, the families at my church, nurturing the marriages at my church. And all that time, I had no vision or passion in my heart to pass my faith to my own children at home. None. I mean, I, I, was, I was so passive spiritually in my house with my relationship with Amy as a father, because my number one passion was in my ministry out there in the, in the world and, and, and in the church. And so what God had to do for me, is he really had to bring me to a very deep place of repentance and, and, and brokenness. And as it says in, in Malachi chapter 4, turn my heart to the ministry of my children. And I'm convinced, and I, I could be totally wrong on this, you know, but when we do, you know, the visionary parenting weekends or things like that, I, I don't do a whole lot of, like, five tips for teens and ten tips for toddlers and things like that. That, that stuff's fine. But what happen, most of the parents out there already have that stuff. They already have parenting books on their shelves. They have the Internet. They can learn how to communicate better, or they can find devotionals for preschoolers or, or whatever. The thing that has to change is our, our hearts. And do we truly have a burden on our souls for the hearts and spiritual lives of our children. As a pastor, I did not. Yeah. I just didn't. And you called so, it a dark chapter in your life. I mean, yeah, it was back yeah, in 2004. But once, God, once God turned my heart to my kids and, and helped me understand that my great commission in the world kind of began with their souls, then these practices, these biblical practices from Deuteronomy 6 and Psalm 78 and Ephesians 6, of praying with my children, reading the Bible with my children, doing family worship with my children in the home, those were overflows of an engaged heart. And so for everybody listening, I'm happy to talk about, hey, here are some practical ways that uh, you can get more family worship going in your home. And most people call that family devotions. We use the family worship term because that's the historic Christian term. With, you know, different age children, my children range from 15 to 3, or with your grandchildren. But, but unless your heart is first engaged, that you truly believe that your number one mission in the world is to make disciples of these children that God has blessed you with, if that heart shift hasn't happened, then going over, hey, here's five ideas for family worship is going to be a waste of everybody's time. Yeah, that's, that's good input. And actually, you say that sometimes parents actually have to have a repentant a heart. Talk about that. Well, I just believe that there really aren't any major changes in our lives, marriages, families, that don't start with repentance. You know, we, we look at an area of our life, we compare it to the vision God gives us in Scripture, and we say, man, I, I, I am not there. Scripture calls me to this, and that is not the way my life works. God, I confess that. You know, confession is, uh, just means to say with, uh, and, and that's what you have to do. You, say, you agree with God. God, your word calls me to this. That's not the way it is in my life, my marriage with my children. I confess that. I thank you that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again from the dead. And I think one of the most important messages, especially for the you know, parents with 
prodigal kids, or we see some patterns running down our family trees, that because of Christ's resurrection, I mean, it's, it is never too late for God to use us to reach our kids. All of the, you know, my family's riddled with, with uh, unbiblical divorce. My father's divorced four times, my mother's divorced two times. I've got two siblings before they came to Christ, they were divorced. It's just everywhere. And, but, but God, because Jesus died and rose again, my brother and I have, have put the uh, line in the sand and said, okay, no more. By, because of the cross, that is not going to replicate in our family. So especially for the parents that are listening, the, the enemy just so much wants to fill them with discouragement and hopelessness. Uh, the, the answer to really turning around our family legacies and family direction uh, isn't, hey, here's three new you know, clever little things that, that, that you can do. Um, but the work of God through the resurrection of Christ to change things. Right, and I and I see that, and I feel that, and I, and I agree with you 100%. In fact, at the end of this broadcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about the transitional generation, and that's what you and your brother have prayed about. But I do want to get to the practical side, because yep. some parents say, look, at, I, I do believe, and I have repented. I'm not sure what to do now. <laughs> it's sure. not working at home or, or whatever it is, because, again, they don't have the role models. You know, what, what are you doing to have this family worship that actually uh, moves kids from a desire to uh, you know, not be a part of this to, to really a desire to say, hey, you know, this is working for me? Right. Absolutely. Well, first of all, family worship comes directly from Scripture, uh, most specifically Deuteronomy chapter 6, where it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be upon your hearts, now God gives us a mission, impress them on your children, and then comes this very specific Christian practice in the next verse, which says, talk about them when you sit at home. Now the them is the Word of God, the things of God. So talk about the Word of God, the things of God, when you sit at home with your family. So in family worship for us, we, we mix and match six different things together. Some nights we just do one, other nights we do three, but this is sort of a mix and match tools in the toolbox. And we mix and match activities, singing, Bible reading, discussion, prayer, and catechism. Some of our best family worship times come when we put a little bit of uh, energy into planning an activity or an object lesson or a game, and particularly for the younger kids. Um, it's not so much for our teenagers. We, we put the teenagers in charge of, of, of the game. We'll do Bible charades. Uh, we'll do object lessons, uh, anything that we can get them engaged in. And my, my problem with that is that I am not creative, and I hate crafts with a passion. <laughs> so we, we just use the lowest hanging fruit uh, uh, possible for that sort of stuff. The, um, uh, and then we sing together. Again, not every single day, but most days. Now, I did not grow up in a family that sang uh, with each other. And in my family of eight, there are seven very musical people. The odd man out, okay? Um, but, but this is something that God has given to, to his people. And sometimes we'll put on a CD or a DVD uh, or just let the kids pick a song. Our kids are old enough now, they play piano, so they can sit and do that. And then the, the scripture reading. And people always ask me, you know, do you have a curriculum for family worship? Do you have a curriculum? Do you have a guide? Do you have something like that? Uh, and I say there's lots of them out there. We write family worship guides through books of the Bible. They're at our website, visionaryfam.com. They're all free. You download the book of Genesis and do family worship through that. But at the end of the day, you know, people say, what's the curriculum? What's the curriculum? You open God's Word. You open the Bible. And you read it as if you believed that you were reading the words of God. I, that is the number one thing that your children need from you. It's the number one thing they need for their spiritual life. It's their, their, their number one spiritual meal. To see mom, see dad, open this book and read it with a believing heart. 
Now, this person, mom or dad, may be a brand new Christian. Maybe they're just struggling in their faith themselves. This is, you're not teaching seminary class. You're not teaching Bible class. You may have more questions than answers after you read. That's okay. Write them down. Give your pastor a call. Say, hey, we were reading this as a family. We had no clue what it meant. Can you help us understand this? But I, I am just so convinced in the sufficiency of Scripture to change our hearts. The Bible says that the Word of God is living and active, and that just reading it with a believing heart is actually going to transform hearts and renew minds in your family. That's great. Very, very positive. Thank you so much. Listen, I've got more questions for you. You've got to come back so we can keep talking. Uh, Rob Reno. Rob, thanks so much. And that concludes part one of Dr. Jim Burns' two-part conversation with Rob Reno here on the Homeward Broadcast. Visionary Families is uh, Rob's ministry, and visionaryfam.com is where you'll find that information about him and what he's up to. And the books that he's written on visionary marriage, visionary family, the one that we're talking about today, which is When They Turn Away, Drawing Your Adult Child Back to Christ. By the way, if you would like a copy of this program, it's a two-parter, we can put it onto one CD for you if you'd like. Just write us at Homeward, Post Office Box 1600. San Juan Capistrano, California, zip code 92693, or call 800-397-9725. We'll be happy to send you a copy of the full-length audio CD of today's program and the next edition of the Homeward Broadcast, all in one. Uh, We'll do that as a way of thanking you for your tax-deductible donation of any amount in support of our ministry. Very important to hear from you, especially here as we near the end of our fiscal year. And now for Dr. Jim Burns, our engineer Ben Camp, and the rest of the staff, I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening. Join us again next time right here for another edition of Homeward. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.